Welcome to the Josh Blair Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about bringing inspiration and encouragement to your daily walk with Jesus. We pray the message you hear impacts you as you follow Christ. Hey, are you happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord with people who are seeking Jesus, who are wanting to know more about Jesus. I just want to say one note about our community groups. Uh, again, we're launching those coming in September. And so that is a great way for you to live out what Jesus calls us to live out. Do you know that Jesus calls us to, to be in community with one another? And it's hard to do that on a Sunday morning when you're just sitting together and you're not really connecting with each other and so this is going to be a great opportunity for you to meet other people to get connected to go deeper into God's word to really live out what it means to be in fellowship it's hard for us to understand what fellowship is unless we're actually being together with other people and so I would encourage you to go by that table and find the the home that is closest to you or within that area or with even a day or time slot that fits your schedule and then connect with the, those, be, those uh, uh, people in that community group. So we have six groups open right now, and uh, we, they're meeting from either on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. And so we have four days out of the week that somebody in our church is going to be connecting with other people. Isn't that great? Yeah. That's powerful. I mean, we just multiplied what we're doing, what we were doing on a Wednesday night. We've multiplied that by four, and now we're meeting consistently. And so if you want to open up your home and you want to meet on Friday... I would love that. That way we can get Monday through Friday someone's meeting uh, from our church. And so make sure that you go by there and connect and sign up for that. So uh, I'm excited for God's word this morning. Anytime that we can be in the presence of God or in the house of God, I'm excited to be there. I'm excited for you to be in the house together as well, worshiping Jesus. Because I, I just I want to encourage you today, because life can get hard, can it? Things can get difficult. We can run into situations and circumstances. It's just, that's a part of being a human being. It's a part of living life. You're going to run into hard walls. You're going to run into difficult situations. And you're going to run into to, to times where you just don't feel, uh, feel like doing what you should do. And I believe that this word for us this morning is for all of us. I believe that this word is for you and I to take in, to receive. I believe God is wanting to speak to us this morning about, about what I'm, I'm going to preach on. So before we do, can we pray over this message? Lord, I just ask that it would be your words that speak this morning and not mine, that they would be words that pierce hearts, that bring encouragement and bring conviction. I ask for the anointing of your Holy Spirit to deliver this message the way you would have me do it. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Every, every Sunday I like to start off with a question because it's good to have a question that we then answer with the message. And I want to just ask a couple of questions before we get to the main question. But uh, if this is you, you can just raise your hand. Have you ever been frustrated? Oh, that's a shocker. I didn't think anybody was going to raise their hand on that question. You ever been, you don't have to raise your hands now, but have you ever been hurt? You ever been hurt by someone or a situation or circumstance? Have you ever been disappointed? Has you ever been ever disappointed ever in your life? Yeah, the, it's kind of a rhetorical question, right? Because to be frustrated, to be hurt, to be disappointed is to be human. Yes? It's a part of life. We're always going to experience these things. There are always going to be times in our lives when we 
feel hurt and disappointed, when we, uh, you know, get frustrated by situations and circumstances, and that's a part of what it means to be human. And those things, those feelings in and of themselves are not problematic. Right? It doesn't mean if you are frustrated, you're, you're doomed to, to a horrible life. It doesn't mean if you're hurt by someone or something that you'll never recover. If you're disappointed, it never means that you'll at some point get to... What's the opposite of disappointed? Happy. I don't know. It's not appointed because that's weird. But you'll get to a place that's... that's that it's not like if I'm disappointed now, I'll be disappointed forever. It's not problematic, but, but what is problematic when we allow frustration and hurt and disappointment to lead to something more severe. All of those things in life, frustration, disappointment, hurt, can all lead to something the Bible calls bitterness. And when we begin to allow frustration and hurt and disappointment to take us down the road of bitterness, that's when it becomes problematic. That's when we need to address Something because, because bitterness is a killer, isn't it? Bitterness is a killer. I want to tell you a little story. My uh, wife and I, we began to juice. Uh, not like steroids. Not like we weren't trying to like juice up. We were juicing to get healthy, right? We were juicing fruits and vegetables. I just want to make that clear just in case. Because I know the way I look, you thought this guy juices. Um, but... <laughs> We started juicing, and uh, I, being, being a man who is a man, I wanted to, like, you know, speed things up and, and kind of make things faster. And so I was putting in good fruits and vegetables, and I like a little bit of lemon in there because lemon just gives it a nice pop, a nice citrus feel. And I thought, why peel the lemon? It's a juicer. It should be able to get all the juice that I want and get rid of the stuff I don't want, right? And I thought, there's a lot of nutrition in the rind. So if I throw that in there, I'll get some good stuff. And how many of you know that lemon rind is super bitter? And it's probably not wise to juice something that bitter, right? And so I made a huge container of juice, and I put a couple of lemons in there without peeling them, and it was undrinkable. The, the lemon rind had made all the sweet stuff that I had put in there and the good stuff undrinkable. It had tainted the entire mixture of it because of the bitterness of just a little bit of rind. And that's what bitterness does in our life too. We can, be, we can be full of good things. We can be sweet and delicious. Uh, but a little bit of bitterness gets in and begins to taint and ruin all the good stuff that's in us and all the sweet things about us. And bitterness has the ability to get in and set up a root in our hearts that then we become a people who are negative and condescending and not a people that are sweet and positive and see the best in people, we see the, the worst in people. And all of that begins with bitterness. Something down the road in the past hurt us, frustrated us, disappointed us to a point where now we, we look through the lens of bitterness more than anything else. So the question we're going to answer today is how do we overcome bitterness in our life? How do we overcome this bitterness? If it's killer, if it's going to taint my view of life, how do I make sure that I don't become a victim of it? Do you know that as believers we can still become bitter? Just because we have a relationship with Jesus doesn't mean we're immune to bitterness. And, and God knew that. And so he gave us an illustration in the Old Testament about how we overcome bitterness as believers. Do you know that the Old Testament, what happened to the nation of Israel was very symbolic, even though it was reality, it happened to them, it was symbolic of the spiritual life to come that we are experiencing today. 
And so God, with the people of Israel, there's a story in Exodus chapter 15 that God helps us see how we can overcome bitterness in our life because He helps the people of Israel overcome bitterness when it's, they're faced with it. I want to give you a quick recap. The people of Israel, they were in slavery. They were in bondage to the nation of Egypt for over 400 years. And God delivered them. He set them free. They went through the Red Sea. Some of you maybe remember watching Charlton Heston's Ten Commandments. You guys, I mean, that's what I see when I first think about that. And they go through the Red Sea. They're delivered. They're, they're going into the Promised Land. But before they get there, they wind up in chapter 15. And at this part this morning, I want to focus on chapter 15, verses 22 through 25, because it's going to help us answer the question I asked, how do we overcome bitterness? So if you have... Your Bibles, you can turn there. If you have your phones, you can go to Uversion Bible app and you can click on the link there. Uh, you can follow along uh, there. And there's some notes in the app as well. Starting in, in verse 22, it's right after Israel had just finished singing. So basically they had a worship service like we just did, right? They come out, they're worshiping God, they're, they're praising God, they're having a high moment with the Lord. And right after that, it says in verse 22, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days into the wilderness and found no water. Can you see the irony there? They just walked through water. A massive sea. Three days later, they're dying of, of, uh, of water, dying of thirst. It's, it's, isn't that ironic? That's how life is, isn't it? You can have a high moment with the Lord, man. You can feel like you're on top of the world, that nothing can touch you. And the next moment, you feel like you're at the bottom of the pit and the world is falling in on you. Israel goes through the sea. God splits open the Red Sea. They walk through with massive walls of water all around them. Three days later, they're dying of thirst. And God is helping us see that as well, that life can hit us in very tangible ways where we feel like we're on top of the world. The next moment, we're at our lowest valley. And he, and he begins to speak to the people of Israel here. In verse 23, he says this, When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. Three days without water, and now they've found water, but they can't drink it because it's bitter. Sometimes when we are going through life when, and things are hitting us hard, we look to other places for our solution. And when that is not our solution, we thought it was going to be, it can make us bitter. Can it? God, I thought this was the answer. I thought this was the door you opened to me. But it's not the door you opened to me. It shut in my face. Why did you do that to me, God? Why did you, why did you close that relationship off? Why, why did this fail? Why didn't this work out? I thought what was there for me to, to quench my thirst has only become a bitter part of my life. And I think the response of the people of Israel in verse 24, we can kind of be condescending to their response because we have the ability to have hindsight, right? We can look at, we can, we're you know, several thousand years removed and we can look back and say, in verse 24, it says, The people begin to grumble against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And we can step back and say, What are you talking about? Don't you know the God that you serve? The God who just opened up the sea for you? The, the God that, that used plagues to, to free you from your bondage? Why are you complaining about some bitter water? Don't you remember the God that you serve? Like How, how, how ignorant of these people. 
And yet, we are a people that follow God and have seen God move in miraculous ways. We are a people that have relationship with Jesus, meaning, meaning that we've been set free from the bondage of sin. And yet, when things in our life were confronted with things that could cause us to be bitter, we choose bitterness instead, and we forget the God that we serve. And we can say the Israelites are people that, why didn't they know? Why didn't they do better? They, they know better. Why would they continue to complain? And yet, we're a people that continue to complain when things in our life uh, confront us and we don't get what we want. And Moses, this is the solution that we should all do when we're confronted with Moses. Moses, it says, he cried out to the Lord. When's the last time you cried out to the Lord? For an answer. And it says, And the Lord showed him a log. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. The Lord showed him a log, he threw it into the water, and now it became sweet. It became drinkable. And I know there's some people that are like, Now, what kind of log is that that could turn water from bitter to sweet? What kind of, like, what wood is that? Is that hickory? Is that mahogany? Is it oak? Oak? Could do it, maybe. Can I tell you something? It wasn't about the log, the actual physical log. The log was symbolic of something that God was doing in the future. He was foreshadowing something about this log, was foreshadowing what Jesus would do in the future when we have bitter moments in our lives. That Jesus can make those things sweet. There's no, amount, there's no log that can turn enough water for over a million people from bitter to sweet. It was symbolic of what God was doing in the physical to represent what He was going to do in the spiritual. We see this throughout Scripture. I told you there's a lot of parallels for the Old Testament Israelites and us today. They were delivered from sin and uh, from bondage. In Egypt, we're delivered from our slavery to sin. They crossed through the Red Sea, destroying the old ruler and showing they belong to God. We do baptism. We do water baptism, demonstrating that the old man, the old ruler of our life has gone away and now we belong to God. Come on, somebody. We celebrate. They worshiped and celebrated God for their deliverance and for their joy. We celebrate and, and worship God for the deliverance He's given to us. Amen. And finally, they encountered bitterness and we encounter bitterness. But what we do with that bitterness or in bitter moments makes all the difference. The log, can I tell you what it means? I think some of you already know. The log represents the cross of Jesus. The log represents the tree that Jesus died on for us, for you and me. It represents the freedom that we have in Jesus. And God was demonstrating to us when bitterness is, it confronts you, when you're in a situation that frustrates you or disappoints you or hurts you, you have an option to embrace bitterness or to embrace the cross. And He's telling us today that if you embrace the cross, the cross will turn your bitter situations sweet. How does it do that? How does the cross transform our bitter moments to sweet moments? Can I tell you, there's a lot of mystery involved there. I can't give you all the answer to why or how it's possible, except that we serve a God who does the impossible. But I do know that there are some practical ex explanations as why we can see when, when we're confronted with bitterness because of hurt, frustration, or disappointment, that if we apply the cross to those things, and the cross becomes our filter, 
then we begin to see the bitter situations less bitter. If you imagine the bitter water, you're pouring it out through Jesus, the bitter, 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 bitter filter. He pours that out, right? He filters out all the bitterness. And here's the filter I want us to look through today. And I'm going to use some alliteration for the three points that I have. The first one is forgiveness. In the cross, we have been forgiven of our sin, both past, present, and future. And Christ defeated the powers of the enemy, freeing us from the enemy's grip and bringing us into right relationship with him. But bitterness often develops from an unwillingness to forgive. Can I say that again? Bitterness often develops from an unwillingness to forgive, and yet the cross stands in opposition to unforgiveness. The cross says, you are forgiven. So it confronts unforgiveness head on. And Jesus tells this parable before he ever goes to the cross, found in Matthew 18, about the king and the unforgiving servant. Do you know this parable? He tells a story of a, of a servant who owed a king millions of dollars. And the debt was called upon to be collected. And he came before the king, and the king says, where's my money? He says, I don't have it. I can't pay it. He says, well, then you're going to have to be thrown into prison until you're able to pay the debt. And the, the servant falls on his face before the king and begs for mercy. He says, please, would you forgive me? Would you, would you forgive me of this debt? I can't pay it. There's no way I can pay it. And the king has mercy on him. He says, I forgive you. I forgive the debt. Can you imagine owing millions of dollars and walking in and they say, it's forgiven because you cried out for mercy? That, that servant then turns around and goes to another servant who owes him a couple hundred dollars. And he says, where's my money? That other servant says, I can't pay it. I don't have any way to pay it right now. Would you, would you please forgive me? Would you forgive me this debt? I cannot pay it. He says, no, I want my money. And he throws that servant into prison until he can pay it all. The parable then says the king finds out about it. He hears the fact that the servant who was unwilling to forgive, even though the servant had been forgiven everything. And he says, bring him back in. He says, you couldn't forgive your fellow servant for something that they owed you, and yet you wanted me to forgive you everything? So what's going to happen is I'm going to throw you into prison and you're going to be tortured until you pay back what you owe me. Can I tell you something? Unforgiveness is what that is in us. We have been forgiven everything by our Heavenly Father who decided not to hold anything that we've done against Him. He's forgiven it and wiped it clean, but yet when we go to another person, another servant in this story, and they've offended us or they've hurt us or they've caused something in our life damage and we've, we, hold un, we hold unforgiveness towards them, we're doing what that servant had done to the other. And God says you cannot be forgiven if you will not forgive others. And bitterness is the root caused by unforgiveness. If we allow bitterness to take hold of us, we run the risk of being able to be forgiven of ourselves, of our sin, of our failure. And the cross confronts unforgiveness, saying, if you've been forgiven much, you must also forgive. And if you're able to forgive, you can cut root and, uh, bitterness off at the root. Amen? The next one that, bitter, that the cross confronts is fairness. 
We, be, we can become bitter in situations when we feel like we've been treated unfairly. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Have you ever been treated unfairly? What does that cause? It causes animosity between you and the person who's treating you unfairly. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your children not giving you what you think you deserve. And the cross confronts fairness because Jesus died on a cross and took a punishment He did not deserve. Jesus took a punishment that He did not deserve. He, he did not d- deserve to be hung on a cross and beaten and whipped and tortured. You and I deserve that. Jesus was treated unfairly. And yet He went to the cross willingly and paid it all. What is He saying? If you've been in situations where you've been treated unfairly, you're in good company because our Lord was treated unfairly. Don't allow that unfairness to cause bitterness in you. Go and and endure with peace and joy. Not allowing that situation and circumstance to cause you to react and respond in a different manner. That doesn't mean to say that you should allow yourself to be walked all over all the time and continue for injustice to happen to you. But it does mean that you should not allow those things to cause a root of bitterness in you. Because unforgiveness and treated unfairly give you opportunities to become bitter And bitter is a killer. The last one is futility. Because it's alliteration, I had to choose another word with F. Okay, so futility. And all futility means is you're not seeing any results. What you're doing seems pointless. I'm working hard. I'm doing all the right things. And yet things do not work out in my favor. That's what futility is. I'm doing all the right things, God, and yet my life is not where I want it to be. I'm saying all the right things. I'm I'm being a good person. I'm praying. I'm reading the Bible. I'm in church. And yet my world still feels like it's collapsing. And that can cause bitterness in us, can it? God, I thought you loved me. God, I thought you said you'd work all things out. Why am I still going through this? And then you become... Uh, you, have, you grow in animosity towards God. And then you grow in animosity towards your brothers and sisters in Christ because they're continuing trying to encourage you and you just get mad about that. You know, when it's not working out, someone's like, it's going to work out. You're like, shut up. Get out of my face. I don't want to hear this again. And all of a sudden, the root of bitterness begins to dig a little deeper inside of you. And what does Jesus say about futility? You know, the disciples... They became bitter after Jesus died on the cross. The Bible says that they went back to their old life, their old style. They went back to fishing again because they said, what was the point? We thought he was the savior of the world. We've been doing this. We've been following him for three years, devoting our entire lives to him. We've given up everything, and yet he died on the cross. It's futile. Can I tell you something? They didn't know the end yet. They didn't know that three days later he was going to come up out of the grave and be victorious over life forevermore. And can I tell you something? If you're in in a life situation right now that seems futile, that seems pointless, that you're not getting the results that you want or that you deserve, can I tell you, you don't know the end yet? You don't know the end result yet. It's not over yet, is it? Are you still breathing? Then you still have an opportunity for God to turn it around. So don't get, don't get disappointed. Don't get frustrated. 
Don't get hurt by the situation and allow it to, to instill bitterness inside of you. Because it's not over yet. The cross demonstrated that it's not over yet. They thought it had ended Jesus, but all it did was set him free to set us free. Amen? I want to say to you today that there is a resurrection coming to your life. To that thing in your life that you thought was dead and gone, God can resurrect it and bring it back to life again. That thing in you that you thought, man, this was a dream, I really wanted this for my life, or I really felt God was calling me to this, but yet it's not worked out for you yet, don't give up. There's resurrection coming to you. Don't turn away. Don't become bitter. Don't carry animosity. Because the cross of Christ demonstrates that it's not over till it's over. The other thing that bitterness will do, not only is it a killer, but bitterness will keep you dry. We want to have a move of God in our life, but when we are bitter, we can't experience a new fresh move of God in our lives because bitterness seeks to keep you in the place that will keep you bitter. How do I know that? Because Moses moved the people along from the waters of Marah. And if Moses had not, or if Moses had not followed God until when he told them to throw the log into the water, those people would have not been able to drink the water and they would have still been thirsty. But because God spoke to Moses and he obeyed, it created an opportunity for them to move into a new area that would bring refreshing. If you continue to stay in the place of bitterness, bitterness will only isolate you. And keep you hopeless and alone. Do you ever hang out with bitter people? It's not for long. You don't want to do it, right? Like, I don't want to hang out with this bitter person. They're negative all the time. Nothing ever works. I always look disheveled when they come into their presence. Right? They're like, button your shirt, man, you know? I don't know. Most bitter people talk like that to me. <laughs> you don't want to be in the presence of bitter people. It's not fun. It's not kind. It's not enjoyable. It just leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth, doesn't it? Because bitterness wants to isolate people. Do you know Jesus calls us to be together? Bitterness is of the enemy because it wants to isolate you and push you away. And in fact, this is what happened. Because the people decided to follow Moses and leave the place of bitterness when the water became sweet, they weren't robbed of their blessing. Bitterness wants to rob you of your blessing. You're seeking a blessing from God. You're seeking a touch of God, from God. Bitterness will rob you from that. And this is the example that is given in verse 27. It says, After leaving Marah, the Israelites traveled on to the oasis of Elam, where they found 12 palms and 70 palm trees. 12 springs and 70 palm trees. And they camped there beside the water. In other words, they left bitterness behind and they found a place of refreshing. I'm telling you today, if you will choose to let bitterness go, you will walk into places of refreshing. If you will choose to give forgiveness, you will walk into your blessing. If you will choose to say, God, whatever situation happens in my life, I will still continue to put you first and give you praise and honor and glory, you'll walk into refreshing. Amen? We don't allow those situations to dictate to us how we're going to live our lives. 
we allow, we allow the fact that we know Jesus to dictate to those situations what's going to happen in our lives. I'm not a victim of circumstance because Jesus has set me free and put me in a place with Him that no circumstance can rob me of my blessing if I choose to keep my eyes on Jesus. Whatever is caused or whatever may cause bitterness in you towards someone, towards something, or even to God has to be addressed through the cross of Christ. Jesus, I set my focus on you. God, I know what you did on the cross. So if you could endure, you caused me to endure. God, if you were treated unfairly and I'm being, being treated unfairly, I know I'm in good company. God, if you can forgive me for all the things that I've done and will do to you, then I can forgive someone when they've done things to me as well. We filter every situation in life through the cross of Jesus Christ. I asked this question at the beginning of the message. How do we overcome bitterness in our life? By looking to Jesus and the work He did on the cross. There's hope today, church, for you and for whatever you experience in life. There's hope because of Jesus. There's healing because of Jesus. Because on the cross, Jesus won the victory. He defeated the enemy and He secured life for us and not just life, but life, what Jesus says, more abundant life. Life that not, we're just scraping by, but life that says we serve an almighty God who works out everything in His timing. And there's hope today. Jesus can make your bitter waters sweet. And if you'll look to Him and put your trust in Him, then He'll begin to work those things out in you. I would say this for us. If you're holding unforgiveness today, forgive. Don't wait till tomorrow. Do it today. If you've been treated unfairly, forgive and endure. Because Jesus made it possible for you to forgive and endure. If you are disappointed or you're not seeing the results that you've been looking for, don't give up. You haven't reached the end yet. There's still hope for tomorrow. So no matter what we've experienced in the past or will experience in the future, we can be sure that there's hope and victory in Jesus. Amen? Amen.